On Easter, the church proclaims in song and sermon, prayer and praise that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and it is glorious. But now, on the other side of Easter, when peeps and chocolate eggs have been relegated to the sales table, when the family and friends who enjoyed Easter with us last week have, are no longer here, and life has returned to normal, one question remains. So what? So what? What difference does Christ's resurrection make? Now, don't misunderstand me here. I believe that Christ's resurrection gives us the hope of life after death, the promise of forgiveness of sin, and the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. But what difference does that truth make in our everyday lives? How does the reality of the resurrection affect our relationships, our choices, our actions, our commitments? On the other side of Easter, how are we to live? One way to explore this question is to look at how the great and good news of Easter affected those who first heard it. To that end, I'm going to be preaching primarily from the book of Acts during this season. We don't look at Acts very often. In fact, it only appears in the Revised Common Lectionary, that three-year cycle of scripture readings used by most mainline churches, on these Sundays, Pentecost Sunday, the Sunday we celebrate Jesus' baptism, and during the seven weeks of Easter. We don't hear from Acts very often. Acts is often called the history of the early church, but the theologian Matt Skinner says that label is a misnomer. He proposes that this New Testament book is not so much a history as it is a story of Christian communities trying to discover and articulate who they are. This happens through the story's actions and the story's sermons, through advances and setbacks, debate, and discovery. The book depicts believers living into new realities, realities that they don't fully understand, but that they believe spring from the resurrection and ascension of God's Messiah. The people in Acts, he continues, operate out of a core conviction that nothing can be the same anymore because of what happened to Jesus. Acts pulls no punches in attempting to oppress upon its readers that the whole world should look different to them because now anything has become possible. This is heady stuff. Let's dive in. So, let me give you some background for what Glaffy just read. I actually meant you to read it later, but it all works out. Yeah. So, following Jesus' ascension, the Holy Spirit empowers his followers to respond to his mandate to be my witnesses. With the Spirit's guidance, they preach the good news of Christ's resurrection so effectively that a great number of people become believers. These brand-new Christians come together in community and devote themselves to worship, the apostles' instruction, fellowship, and prayer. As the apostles begin to continue to preach, and sometimes to get into trouble, this fledgling community not only grows in numbers, but in faith. What Glaffy just read is a snapshot, if you will, or maybe since you listened to it, a soundbite that describes life in this new community. 
Now, at first reading, this sounds nothing more like nothing more than nostalgia, a romanticized version of the past. Ah, those were the days. But it would be a mistake to dismiss this description of the early Christian community as a quaint utopian vision. Likewise, it would be a distortion to view this passage as promoting a Christian version of socialism. We need to see this passage for what it is, a powerful reminder that Easter is much more than a celebration. It is a call to a radically different way of life. We are told that the community was of one heart and soul, drawn into the church by those who were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. These new Christians were bound together by hope, the hope of forgiveness, the hope of salvation, the hope of a life free from fear. That hope broke down walls of class, ethnicity, education, and wealth that usually divided them. The community was also united by a common sense of purpose and mission to share that newfound hope with others. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the apostle preached the resurrection of Jesus, and those who followed gave everything they had, risked everything they had to support that ministry. Indeed, we are told that no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. What's more, those who had land or houses sold them, then gave the profits of the sales to the apostles to use as they saw fit. If that sounds suspiciously like the practice of a cult, look at how those funds were used. Acts makes the claim that there was not a needy person among them and that the apostles distributed to each as had need. In other words, this community followed the practices of Jesus, pooling their resources to care for the most vulnerable among them, the sick, the hungry, the homeless. Their generosity reflected both their acceptance of the lordship of Christ and their absolute trust in the generosity of the God who had called them together. That trust was rewarded For scripture tells us that God poured great grace upon them all. No longer weighed down by fear and need, they were transformed into Easter people, living out their faith in the one who gave them new life in a community of joy and love. So how are we to look at this brief passage? Is it meant to be a blueprint for our communal life? Are we to liquidate all our assets and pool them together to give to the poor and needy? Is our church a failure if we are not of one heart and soul on every issue? No, I don't believe that for two reasons. First, while Acts paints a very idealistic picture of the early Christian community, it also shows us the struggles of that community. While some Christians exhibited great generosity, others attempted, unsuccessfully, to appear generous even as they held funds back. There was controversy about the way the funds were distributed, and the apostles had to relinquish some of their control in order to keep the peace. There was also controversy about who could be a Christian, who was in and who was out, and compromises were made. 
Persecution scattered the community and put its very survival in doubt. As close as it was to the risen Christ, the early church also struggled with very human emotions and issues as it sought to follow Christ's mandate to be my witnesses. Second, while like those early Christians, we find ourselves living in a society in which many, if not most people around us, are unchurched, even hostile toward the Christian faith. Still, the times in which we live are very different from that of the first Christian community, and we are not the same people. To try and duplicate their lifestyle would be, I think, an exercise in futility. So what are we to do? How are we to live as Easter people? Remember the quote from Matt Skinner? He wrote, Acts pulls no punches in attempting to oppress upon its readers that the whole world should look different to them because now anything has become possible. He goes on, what are the new possibilities? There are many. And Acts suggests that the word of God never finishes creating additional ones. The word of God never finishes creating additional possibilities. Instead of trying to recreate or even to live up to the Acts community, why not let their experience ignite our imagination and open our minds and hearts to the new possibilities that God offers us? Christ is risen, and anything is possible, and therein lies our hope. Most of you know that we have a group of people um, who are going through a process called Readiness 360+. Plus. Um, it's a process of revitalization that's happening over 15 months, and we're kind of in the middle of it now. And this team continues to wrestle with the question of how we are to be the church in the 21st century. We recently finished reading a book called Missional Renaissance by Reggie McNeil. It's a call to carry church out into the community, into our homes, our schools, our workplaces, and our stores, and to change the concept of the church from a what into a who. Mr. McNeil asserts that our buildings, our places of worship, are not the church. We are the church. And wherever and whenever we live out our faith, The church is present. That doesn't mean that this facility, this beautiful facility, is useless. Far from it. What it does mean is that when we walk out the door this morning, we are still Easter people. And that we can be Christ's witnesses wherever we are by blessing and serving those around us. We are only limited in how we do this by our imaginations. So here's an invitation for you, straight out of McNeil's book. Be an Easter person by blessing three people this week. Be an Easter person by blessing three people this week. And make sure that one of them doesn't deserve it. After all, we don't deserve the blessings that God gives us, but he gives them anyway. 
You can bless them in any way you want. I'm not going to even suggest how you might do that. But look for those opportunities to bless three people. And then send me an email, call me on the phone, write me a note, and tell me just how you blessed others. I'd like to share your stories. Not so that we can brag and feel good about ourselves, but so we can celebrate the ways that God is using us to bless others in our community. The Acts community blessed each other by pooling their resources to make sure that no one was in need, but that is just one way that the message of resurrection might be shared. The possibilities are endless. Now, you may have noticed that I didn't say invite three people to church. Getting people to walk in our doors is not the point of either this exercise or of living out our faith. The point is to embody the grace of God and the love of Christ in what we say and do. The point is to be the church, not to promote the church, and to leave the rest to God, because the church is, after all, in God's hands. Why should we do this? Because, my friends, the Easter message of hope, joy, and love is desperately needed, not just by us, but by everyone we meet. People need what we have to share. Let's continue to celebrate Easter, not just in worship, but each and every day as we offer blessings to others in Jesus' name. Christ is risen. And nothing is the same. Christ is risen, and anything and everything is possible. Alleluia, alleluia, amen.